Hi guys, welcome back to Mount Murders, episode 8. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what up? So this murder is very fascinating because it's somewhat of a mountain legend. Ah, another legend. Another legend. I mean, can you imagine just being infamous? Like that your story becomes something, a folklore legend? I mean, we discussed Nancy Dude, and we've got another tale that's going to make your blood run cold. Mm, I want to hear more. All right. Well, this is a story that takes place a long time ago. This is not one of our more recent mountain murders. Okay. Have you heard of the name Tom Dula? I haven't. Okay. Well, Tom Dula was born in Hill Country in what is Wilkes County, North Carolina. So, technically, I guess still considered one of the western mountain counties in North Carolina. And he was one of four kids. Probably lived a life much like most mountain people in the mid-1800s, which means poor. Poverty. Probably lived in some cabin, and they were farmers. Probably a dirt floor. Yeah, probably. Right. One two-room cabin. It was very common at the time. Well, as a child, he did attend school, which at that time was not super common. I mean, kids would go to school here and there, but it wasn't like today. And later, it would be noted that he was highly literate, which was very unusual for the time period considering the harsh poverty in which he grew up in. And Dula would later write a 15-page account of his life uh, that he would present, and uh, people noted that it was very well-written, articulate, you know, it was just a bit of a surprise. So Dula has some sense. Yeah, I guess you could say that. He had some school smarts. Book learned. Yes. So when he was a boy, he played with the Fosters, which were neighbor girls. And he lived in Wilkes County, but I should mention, I guess it was called Happy Valley, which was near the Yadkin River. That sounds awesome. And so it was, you know, a pretty rural area, but they did have neighbors. You know, there were a few other cabins and houses, I guess, around. And so he was able to play with the neighbor girls. They were the Fosters. And a girl named Anne, and she had cousins named Laura and Pauline. Now, on some accounts, I've read that Pauline was actually her sister, but others say that, no, she was a cousin as well. So I'm not sure about that. Like, it's been difficult to dig in and find out for sure. And some accounts have her name as Perlene instead of Pauline. So some people say Perlene, some people say Pauline, but... With the mountain folk, a lot of times you might be named something but called something else. Right. Like, for example, um, Iron Duff in Haywood County is actually named after a fellow named Aaron Duff. <laughs> but because of our mountain dialect, Iron somehow from Aaron. Right. And, uh, Just like tires or tars. Yeah. And like I knew a fellow named Farrell. Like that was how you would have, you know, phonetically, like that's how you would have said his name, Farrell. But people called him Furl. 
Oh, exactly. So, you know, you never know. I mean, her name might have been Pauline, and somehow that became Perline, or maybe her name was Perline, and that was Pauline. I don't know. So what anyway. Are, what are we going to call her? We're going to just go ahead and call her Pauline. Yeah, let's do Pauline for the rest of the country. Well, according to legend, Tom and Anne became very intimate at an early age. Like in one story that circulated, Anne's mother caught them fooling around when Anne was about 14 and Tom was 12. That is early. It is, but maybe in the 1800s, not so early. I mean, yeah, so that, yeah. getting married fairly young That's back true. Then. You died in your 30s. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Typically. But this created this sort of pattern of Tom being a ladies' man, which would later get him into some trouble. And on March 15th, 1862, which was a few months shy of his 18th birthday, Tom enlisted in the Confederate Army as a private in Company K, 42nd North Carolina Infantry Regiment. And he was eventually captured by the Union Army and held as a prisoner of war. So he would have been released in April of 1865. And not only did Dula survive as a prisoner of war, but I guess all of his brothers were killed leaving Tom as his mother's sole remaining son. What do they call that? The Golden Star son or something like that? I think so. Because Isn't I that he a was, big deal? Yeah, it kind of is. And, you know, he was one of four kids. Right. He did have a sister. So the two brothers were killed in the war. Right. And, of course, there were some rumors and legends that have circulated over the years regarding Tom being this masterful fiddle player, which is incorrect. Um, he also, uh, well, I guess some of the rumors also said that he served under... Uh, Colonel Zebulon Vance um, in the 26th Regiment, but that's not right either. He never served under Colonel Vance, and that kind of comes into play later. But, um, you know, so there's been some, you know, tales that have been spun that are just not accurate. And he was actually listed as a musician in the Confederate Army, but he was apparently a drummer and not a fiddle player. Okay, so back to the story. Ann Foster married a man who was much older than her, named James Melton, who was also a neighbor to the Fosters and the Doulas. So again, you know, back in the day, you're living in a rural area. You don't have a lot of exposure to new and interesting people. There was no Tinder. You're not swiping right or left. There was no anything. <laughs> right. So I guess you just kind of marry the first person that you see out the door. I don't know. So Ann marries Melton, and he was a cobbler, um, a farmer. And, again, neighbor to both families, uh, the Fosters and Doulas. And he also served in the Civil War alongside Doula. And he took part in the Battle of Gettysburg. And both of them, as I mentioned before, Tom was captured. But Melton was also captured and sent to a prison camp. So these were two men who knew each other pretty well. And, of course, we all know that Tom Doula knew his wife Anne pretty well. Intimately. Mm. Biblically if you will damn tom so <laughs> hmm. once released from the prison camp doula returned home back to north carolina and now Anne had been married before obviously tom left for the war she'd been married a couple of years before he even signed up for the civil war to go off and fight but um the relationship never really ended between the two of them like even though ann foster married james melton she was still seeing tom on the side he goes off to war, comes home, and they basically just resume their physical relationship despite her marriage to James Melton. So, I can see that causing problems. So Tom was just her side piece, I He's guess. He's a little something-something on the side. Yeah. So seeing as how Anne was married to James, I guess Tom didn't feel any kind of commitment or loyalty to her. 
you know, because she's married. So naturally, the thing to do would be to start seeing her cousin. Naturally. Yeah. Of so course. So he starts seeing Laura, Laura Foster. And now remember, Tom grew up with a foster girl, so he knew Laura most of his life. And again, living in a rural area, I guess your options are pretty limited. Sounds like he grew up in the foster girls. That's a great way to put that. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so on Tom Dooley's return, and also around here, a lot of people call him Tom Dooley. Oh, okay. Okay. But real name, Tom Dula. But Tom Dooley, okay, so he returns, and Laura thought with Anne being married that she kind of had this clear field with Tom. So, you know, Anne's going to be out of the picture. He's back. He's, you know, just served in this war. He's been gone a long time. He's come back. I'm going to make him mine kind of thing. But Anne's love for Tom quickly returned when she saw the dashing young soldier, you know, come back from the war and would have none of the cousin Laura getting ahead of her. So immediately tensions were running high. Jealousy reared its ugly head. And Anne thought that with Laura out of the way, she and Tom would get back together and that maybe she could even marry Tom. Though she's married to James Melton. Tom must have had that good stuff. That maybe Tom could run away with her. And it's been said that Laura was a very pretty girl, that she had a lot of suitors. And there was a school teacher named Bob Grayson who was pretty smitten with her and wanted her to be his wife. So it wasn't like, I guess, Laura was really without prospects. You know, she could have, you know, I guess scorned Tom or... She's not, got a little taste of that Tom, not son. that relationship, but, I mean, so it seems almost like she kind of had a thing for him. Yeah, Tom's slinging meat. <sighs> You're so fat. I'm sorry. So, again, the story with uh, this Bob Grayson guy, that's kind of, um, you know, I guess story that's been passed down. That, you know, this guy kind of courted her, but she was choosing Tom. And, again, that's kind of gossip. But early in 1866... Um, Tom and Laura began to cohabitate, however you want to take that. I don't think they were actually, like, living together, but they were, um, they were getting physical. The Olivia Newton-John song. Hmm. They were getting physical, physical. But anyway, eventually, Tom contracted syphilis. Oh, imagine that. And he transmitted it to Ann Melton. Mm. That sounds like Tom got that tainted meat now. Oh, God. Well, they didn't. Have, well, maybe there was a government shutdown. Well, you know, syphilis back then was a big deal. It really was. It could kill you. Well, later at Tom's trial, witnesses would say that Tom made statements that he was going to do in the person who gave him the pock, which was the syphilis. I guess they called it the pock. Hmm. Not I don't want to know why like the pock. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to know why. I'm sure it was I don't a bad even know reason. about syphilis. Is that like you get all scabby or something? I don't know. Is that that one where you? They put it on a stool and hit it with a hammer? I don't know. Okay. Ew. Okay. So, Dula believed that Laura had given him the STD. But later, the local doctor testified that he had treated both Tom and Ann for syphilis with blue mass, which was the treatment at the time, Mm. and that Pauline Foster also was treated, and she was actually the first to be treated. So, likely, Tom did not get syphilis from Laura. He got it from Pauline and then passed it on to the other foster girls. Oh, the tangled webs we weave, right? So, on the morning of, uh, I guess it was May 25th, sorry, um, 1866, 
Laura Foster was seen on Stony Fork Road riding her father's mare with a bundle of clothing in her lap, and she was headed toward the Bates Place, which had been known as the Lover's Rendezvous area. So sometime later, um, well, well, we'll get into that in just a moment. Laura's body was found eventually. So I guess the um, mayor had come back home and had a rope kind of tied around its neck that had been broken, and there was no sign of Laura. So, uh, you know, naturally her family is concerned. People thought, oh, well, she ran away with Tom. You know, maybe they ran off to get married. So the horse returns, no Laura. Right. And um, sometime later, Anne got into this argument with her sister, Pauline, or her cousin. I'm not sure. Again, I'm not really sure who Pauline was to Anne, but they were related. So she gets in a fight with Pauline, and Anne was pretty critical of Pauline. And Pauline warned Anne that she better be careful or she was going to tell about Laura. So ah, blackmail. Seen, already these tensions. Could you imagine everyone talking about all this? Because I'm sure everybody knew. And Anne was telling Pauline, well, you're just as guilty as I am, and I'll tell you why. So authorities did become sort of suspicious of these two girls because there was this uh, back and forth. You know, they're kind of fighting. I guess other people are kind of hearing. Everybody's talking. Yeah. Rumors are flying. People are aware of this love. What do you want to call that? A square? Yeah, that's a love square. Love rectangle? I don't know. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Love geometry right there. This, This quad love thing. Oh, Tom, I tell you. So, apparently, um, at some point, I guess Pauline would later testify that Anne took her to a gravesite and said that that's where Laura was buried and that she just wanted to double check that, you know, Laura was still in the ground, she hadn't been found, that her body was still hidden, that no one had dug it up, blah, blah, blah. So, Pauline was feeling a little concerned about this. Well, yeah, she could be next. Right. So, I guess Anne stuck to the story that Tom had killed Laura. So, she was like, I didn't have any part of this. He killed her, but knew quickly where she was buried. So, that's sketchy. So, there was a search party that spread over this entire area. And James Melton, a fellow named James Isbell, uh, David Horton, and Bob Grayson, who was Laura's other love interest, I suppose, um, were in the search party. And James Isabel's horse, um, I guess, was the one that kind of found an area that was loose with dirt um, when they were out. And so he kind of notices, like, this horse is kind of kicking this area. This dirt looks fresh, like a freshly dug grave. And so the crowd starts digging around. They end up finding her body. And the story goes that her legs had been broken, and they look like they appeared to be... um, kind of uh, broken and kind of bent so she could fit into this grave. Huh, she also you... had a stab wound in her chest that went through her breast. Too lazy to even dig a grave big enough for the body. I guess so. And they also found here, you know, buried in this grave area, a bag of Laura's clothes. And so there was no doubt that it was Laura. And her body was taken to the nearest town. There were funeral arrangements made, and she was buried on a high hill known ever since as Laura Foster Hill, still in Wilkesboro or Wilkes County. So if you go up there, you can actually go visit her grave. 
So this investigation began because obviously this was murder. She's been stabbed. Her body's all mangled, shoved in this small grave. And uh, one of the men, the Bob Grayson fella, according to legend, says that he found this handkerchief in the grave that belonged to Ann Melton. And so authorities began compiling information that led them to the arrest of Ann and Tom. So some weeks later, after Laura's body had been found, Tom quickly disappeared after Laura's disappearance. Like, he pretty much, Laura disappeared, he hit the road. He scattered out of town. That's suspicious. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty big sign of something guilty, right? So, um... He was found eventually living in Tennessee a couple of weeks later under the name Tom Hall. And he was arrested and brought back to North Carolina. And, you know, according to witness accounts and, you know, people who've written about this, they say Tom was pretty nonchalant about the whole matter. He never once seemed worried or upset or remorseful or sad about hearing the news that his one of his lovers was dead. Oh, one of his three lovers. Yeah. So a local attorney named Zebulon Vance, also Colonel Zebulon Vance. Um, and so this is how the rumor got started that Tom had served under him, right, in the Civil War, but in the Confederate Army. But that's actually not the case. He actually was just a local attorney at the time, and he agreed to defend Tom pro bono. And um, a lot of people think that, you know, Vance may have really thought he was innocent, but most people agreed it was probably because it was a really high-profile case. And get his name out and there. he knew he was going to get his name out there. And, uh, you know, he kind of wanted to be that flashy attorney who swoops into town. Well, Vance was able to negotiate a change of venue because by this time the murder story had spread throughout the area. Because this was not a normal circumstance. You know what I mean? Like murders like this didn't just happen all the time. Right. And the fact that people knew about this love rectangle whatever you want to call it and And i'm sure people have been talking about it right and talking about the laura this beautiful young girl and here's tom this kind of war hero and you have married women and everything tied up in this a war hero or veteran that's going to be salacious back then you know that's going to be like very um scandalous gossip going everywhere i'm sure yeah exactly so the trial began in Statesville, which was about 30 miles from Wilkesboro. And the judge, Ralph Burton, was presiding. And evidence was produced that Tom Dula and Ann Foster were having an affair, which was pretty much public knowledge. But they did have some evidence that they presented to trial that this was the case. Uh, then a witness named Betsy Scott was brought into court. And she swore that she had talked to Laura Foster the day before she disappeared and Laura told her she was going to meet Tom Dula. So try as he may, Vance could not get Bessie Scott to change her testimony. Like, she just would not budge. This is, this is the truth. This is what happened. And she was not going to change her story. So from the very beginning, uh, Tom insisted he was not guilty. But he would say nothing against or about his relationship with the others. So he wouldn't comment on the relationship with Anne, his relationship with Laura, or his relationship with Pauline. Well, I don't blame him because none of that would make him look good. Right. Talking about him boning three or four chicks. Well, it also came out, um, I guess, after Laura's body was found and 
there were people talking and whatnot that she was actually pregnant. So that obviously would have been Tom's baby, I think. I say obviously, but uh, she was in a relationship with him. So one one would assume, right? So um, his attorney, uh, Zeb Vance, tried in every way possible to draw this out of Tom. Like, tell us about this. Tell, you know, give us details we want to know. You know, just trying every way he could to get his um, client to, to talk. And Tom just wouldn't speak through the whole trial. He wouldn't elaborate. He wouldn't defend himself. He wouldn't offer up any explanations. I mean, just nothing. So I guess it was uh, May 1866, um, which would have been May 1st. Um, Tom Dula rode through the streets of Statesville in a wagon. And, uh, you know, people uh, were laughing as the wagon passed the gallows. And, you know, it was a big spectacle. He's He's been found guilty. He's going to hang. So, you know, the whole town's out. People traveled for like miles and miles around, from miles and miles around to go witness this. That was a big deal to go oh, watch yeah. someone hang. And people, witnesses, I guess, said that when the rope was placed around his neck, that he even joked with the sheriff, W.E. Watson, and said, I would have washed my neck if I had known you were using such a nice, new, clean rope. Now he's got something to say. So I guess asked in seriousness after that joke, you know, did he have any last words? And Tom held up his right hand and replied, gentlemen, do you see this hand? Do you see it tremble? Do you see it shake? I never heard a hair on that girl's head. And those were his last words before the trap door was dropped. Wow. Yeah. Defiant till the end. Pretty much. Now, his younger sister, you know, because his brothers had perished in the war, so his younger sister, um, I guess one of the only relatives aside from his mother living, and her husband claimed the body for burial after the execution. And Tom was buried in the cemetery in Happy Valley by the side of the old North Wilkesboro Road near Elksville, North Carolina. Now, um, I guess it's near where Big Elkin Creek meets the Yadkin River. Um, and you can go there and visit. His grave still is, a, a you know, I guess a visitor's destination. And then um, Zebulon Vance also defended Ann Melton, and she was finally found not guilty, but the stigma followed her everywhere she went. People called her a murderer. They thought she was involved. Many people believed she was actually the true killer and that Tom had taken the fall out of loyalty or love. And so a lot of people thought she was the one. And I guess she seemed to not care about that reputation continued to flirt with men now does everybody know she has syphilis now did that come out i mean because that seems like that wouldn't be a good selling point i guess that came out in the trial maybe everybody had syphilis but this is pretty interesting um a few years later after the trial she was killed by a wagon overturning ah some people would call that karma some people would but doula's role has always been debated Again, many people believe that Anne was actually the killer and the guilty one. But he was found culpable. And um, there's another local story that's circulated and been passed down that Anne confessed on her deathbed to killing Laura. And some people were saying and reporting that she was seeing black cats on the walls. Mm. You know, in this room where she was laying, you right. know, as I lay dying, she's seeing like black cats and hallucinating. And she kept talking about how she could smell bacon frying. Ah, she's going to hell. 
Yeah. Maybe that's what she thought. I mean, maybe. Or maybe she just thought she was missing out on a delicious breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> well, later on, a poet named Thomas Land wrote a song about the tragedy, and the song is still sung today. Um, you may have heard it. Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley. It's a murder ballad. And the most popular version was recorded in 1958 by the Kingston Trio, and it sold over 6 million copies. And a lot of people consider it with starting kind of the folk boom. Wow, 6 million copies? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's also been called one of the songs of the century by like several music publications. Wow. I mean, because who doesn't love a good murder ballad? Yeah, you got you got to love a good murder ballad. And the story has also been fictionalized in the 1959 movie The Legend of Tom Dooley, which starred Michael Landon. Wow. People just loved him. Wasn't he like an angel or something? Michael Landon? Yeah. Oh, dude, that was a little house, little on, house the on the prairie, guy. bruh. Yeah. Well, I remember singing the Tom Dooley ballad or whatever when I was in elementary school. Really? Yeah. Hang hmm. down your head, Tom Dooley. You shouldn't have boned all them chicks, Tom yeah, boy, Dooley. you're bound to die. I can't sing, but Should've I remember that. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, that was a pretty morbid song to be teaching, like, fourth graders. Wrapped it up with a burlap sack. You wouldn't have <laughs> gave them that old clap. <laughs> so no, yeah, <laughs> that's my PSA for back in the 1800s of uh, for uh, STDs. So this has been a pretty interesting story, and especially because it has become infamous. I was not aware of this one. To it be is, honest with you, I'd heard of Nance Dude, but um, a really popular North yeah. Carolina folk legend, if you will. Oh, Tom, I swear. Yeah, but Maybe. we actually have the song, the Kingston Trio's oh, okay. Tom Dooley ballad. We're going to play that for you. Okay. So you can get in the spirit. The good murder ballad for you. The mountain spirit. I love murder ballads. Knoxville girl under the willow tree. I mean, there's so many good Well, yeah, they still do that to this day um, with those uh, cartel murders, right? Those uh, infamous, that's a big thing in Mexico, isn't it? To write murder Murder ballads? ballads, yeah. It is. Oh. Look that up. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in to Mountain Murders. We are on uh, Spreaker.com. You can find us on Patreon if you want to throw us a couple of bucks to help out with the podcast. We are on uh, SoundCloud, yep. CastBox, yes. Pocket Cast. Yes, we have a, a Apple Facebook page, uh, Apple Podcast, and a Facebook page, Mountain Murders. And we have MountainMurders.com website. Which find is us on Twitter. Underworks. Exactly. But uh, we are trying to build it up a little bit, trying to give you plenty of content. Um, we're looking to in the future to bring a lot of different content to mountmurders.com. Um, things that we don't have time to cover. Um, interesting things that we find uh, very weird. But um, yeah, we're just going to keep it rolling, guys. So what do you think? Do you think Tom was guilty or do you <clears throat> think that Anne was the murderer? What do you think? I don't know. You know, a woman scorned can, you know, be pretty hardcore. I know that. But um, and what was up with Tom's like libertine lifestyle? Yeah, why? It was why, very uncommon, or you know, why didn't Tom time? just get him a chick and stick with her? You know, why he got so many side pieces? Why is he trying to spread it around like that with the extra sauce and all? I mean, I don't no. get it. Yeah, but um, I don't know. You know, it sounded like he was uh, defiant to the end, but uh, at the same time, maybe he was just speaking the truth there in the end, and that he really didn't kill her. So I guess we'll never know. I think they both were involved. Yeah, I think it was a plot. 
well, there you, was a conspiracy. Well, well, honestly, when you take I think they premeditated it, someone I think killed, Anne was involved. taken somewhere, mur- you know, murdered, buried, dig a hole, all that. I mean, you know, I don't know. I know these uh, pioneer women were fairly stout, not afraid of a little hard work, but I'd hate to think that um, Tom probably knew about it, maybe. But that's just pure conjecture on my part. Yeah, I think she was involved. But I think definitely if Tom just got with someone and stuck with him, then none of this would happen. So no matter how you slice it, he was he was uh, responsible. Culpable. Cul- culpable. Yep. Yep. I agree. But I Try. do think Anne was guilty. At least I think she knew about it. The damn meat, meat cocksmith. Tom was a cocksmith. Oh, yeah, okay. that was a thing. Is that what you call him? No, that was a thing back then. Mm. It was known He's for their just a gigolo. Known for their cock skills. <laughs> no, but that really, honestly, it's a thing. A okay, well, this is the Mountain Murners Porno Edition. So thanks for checking us out. <laughs> yeah, today. old Tom, Tom Dula but was we'll slinging be- that meat. Oh God. Okay. Well, we'll be back with more <laughs> Mountain Murders. Thanks for listening in. And I'm going to wash Dylan's mouth out with some soap. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a funny thing at home. Mm, yeah, you wash it out, baby. Oh, God. Throughout history, there have been many songs written about the eternal triangle. This next one tells the story of a Mr. Grayson, a beautiful woman, Condemned man named Tom Dooley. When the sun rises tomorrow, Tom Dooley must hang. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom Dooley. Poor boy, you're bound to die. I met her on the mountain, there I took her life. Met her on the mountain, stabbed her with my knife. Hang down your head, Tom, Julie, hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, Tom, Julie, poor boy, you're bound to die. This time tomorrow, reckon where I'll be. Hadn't it been for Grayson, I'd have been in Tennessee. Well, now, boy, hang down your head, hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head and cry. Oh, boy, you're bound to die. Tomorrow, reckon where I'll be Down in some lonesome valley Hanging from a white oak tree Hang down your head, Tom, to Hang down your head and cry Hang down your head, Tom, to Poor boy, you're bound to die 
Boy, you're bound to die. Boy, you're bound to die. 